It, uh, if you keep your mind set on things of this world, you'll surely be depressed and a discouraged Christian. Amen? That's why it's so important for us to be able to get here. And if you're here today, I'm so thankful you are. Not just because I get to preach and you get to endure until the end. The same shall be Baptist, amen. But the fact of the matter is it encourages each other to be able to gather in the house of God. And it encourages me as your preacher to say, you know what, there are some people in this county and the surrounding counties that still love the Lord, that still want to keep going on, are still they're, they're still interested in the old-time religion, amen? And that's about the Lord Jesus Christ. And I tell you what, the older I get, the sweeter He grows. And I'm thankful for the Lord. Take your Bible, go to Numbers chapter 13. If you get a chance, stand if you would. I'd like to read just a couple of verses and try to give you what the Lord's given us. Numbers chapter 13. I'm really glad you came this morning. I know gas prices aren't getting any cheaper, but hey, one of these days, you ain't going to have to worry about it because you're going to have a supernatural body and you'll be able to go from here to the third heaven without even thinking, man, just like that. And uh, praise the Lord for that. Numbers chapter 13. I'm going to read uh, verses 1 to 3 and, uh, and then we'll pray. The Bible says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Send thou men, that they may search the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel. Of every tribe of their fathers shall ye send a man, everyone a ruler among them. And Moses, by the commandment of the Lord, sent them from the wilderness of Paran. All those men were heads of the children of Israel. You're probably thinking, preacher, what in the world is there? There's a lot of good stuff in this passage this morning. And before we get into it, Brother uh, McKnight, would you ask the Lord for help in the preaching this morning? Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. Now here in chapter 13, I want to let you know where we're at. The children of Israel are on the very precipice of the promised land. All right? They've gone from, uh, they've left out of Egypt. And if you remember, the Bible says that uh, originally Moses wanted a three-day journey so they could go sacrifice to the Lord uh, at Mount Horeb. So we know it takes about three days to get to Mount Horeb. If you recall in Deuteronomy chapter 1, you may or may not remember, it takes from Mount Horeb, the Bible says, an 11 days journey to get to where they're at right now. That is the very precipice of the promised land. With that in mind, I want you to consider now that the book of Deuteronomy chapter 1 says it took them 40 years and 11 months to take an 11-day trip. And someone say amen. That's just like you and me in our spiritual walk with the Lord, ain't it? should take about 11 days and it takes a lifetime. But if you're saved, you're getting there eventually. Let's back up. We're not 40 years into it. We're about 11 months into it right now. And what has happened is the children of Israel are on the very precipice of the promised land. And what I want to call your attention to and type this morning, I want you to see that we're very, very close to going home. 
Amen. And as we get close to going home, we study it in the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. We know that the Lord Jesus Christ, He comes in Matthew chapter 14 in the fourth watch of the night, and that's right about morning time. Amen. And the closer we get to going home, and the closer it is for Jesus Christ to come back, the darker it's going to get. Amen. But let me tell you what, morning's coming. That's not what I want to preach. I would really like to preach that, but I'm telling you that here in chapter 13, they're just about ready to go into the promised land. And you know what the Lord tells Moses? He says, look, I need, I need, I'm looking for some men. I'm looking for some men to go in and search out the land. And I want that thought to resonate with you for a minute here because here we are, we're close to going home. We're close to the rapture of the church. I believe there is absolutely nothing preventing us from going home today. Matter of fact, I wish we would. And there's nothing else in this world I'd rather do than get out of here. You say, well, I preach you getting ready to face some trouble. Possibly. Why, you're going to have a bad week you and your wife been fighting? None of your business. I'm looking forward to the rapture, amen? And here I see chapter 13, Israel is right on the brink. They're right on the precipice. They're right on the very threshold of the promised land. And the Lord says... I need some men, and they need to run a reconnaissance mission for me. You say, you think the Lord really needed those men to run that mission? Well, here's the thing. As you get into the passage, what I look and see at the thing is the Lord wanted these men that were rulers and so forth and the heads of their tribes and all that stuff. I believe the Lord wanted those men to see the condition of that land, the beauty of it, the adversity of it, the strength of it, and everything to do because I, wanted the, I believe the Lord wanted to show those men what He was about ready to do for them. So this morning, can I say this? Just as in Numbers chapter 13, the Lord was looking for a few good men. Can I tell you this morning? The Lord is looking for a few good men. And all the ladies are like, well, good, we get to cash out on this. I'm talking about mankind. The Lord is looking for a few good men and women to do something for Him. And you say, that's kind of a crazy application. It's a great application. The Lord is looking for a few good men. Back in the day, I don't know if that's the used to be the Marines' call sign, looking for a few good men. Is it still their sign? Is it still their motto? Whatever it is, I don't know. The few, the proud, the brave. You know, uh, they don't know what they are, or what they is, or what bathroom to use, but still looking for a few good men. Amen? Amen. Back in the day when America loved uh, the military, they were looking for a few good men. And can I tell you this morning, the Lord is looking for a few good men still. He's looking for a few good men and women to sign up and serve Him and give Him their life. He said, uh, what's the other option? What's plan B? Keep it for yourself. Like that little boy with the five loaves and two fishes, the best thing he liked to do was loaf and fish, amen? But anyways, that boy with the lunch, you know what he did? He gave everything he had to the Lord, and because he gave that, uh, that lunch to the Lord, the Lord did more with that little boy's lunch than he could ever do. I'm telling you this morning, I want to encourage, I want to exhort you to righteousness this morning, that the Lord's still looking for a few good men. He is. And I don't, I don't think He should have to look outside the church house, but He will if we won't get serious with Him. I want you to see this this morning. The Lord, He's, he's looking for a few good men, and in these last days of almost going home, He's still looking for men that are willing to obey God. He's looking for men that are uh, willing to uh, live for Him inside of this wicked old world and just kind of refuse to cave in. Can't you feel the pressure lately? I can. Say, what's the pressure? 
I just batten down the hatches and just throw up the white flag and say, okay, world, you can do whatever you want. But he's looking for a few good men to live for him and stand against this whole wicked world so he can do something with you. I want you to see a couple things about these men that he's looking for. The Lord, number one, he's looking for a ruling man. A ruling man. Look at Numbers chapter 13 and verse 2. The Bible says here in Numbers chapter 13 verse 2, Send thou men that they may search the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel of every tribe of their fathers, shall you send a man, every one a ruler among them. There had to be a ruler. You know what God's looking for? I've got to think about this thing. He's looking for a man. He's looking for a woman. He's looking for a man who's willing to rule. A ruling man. You say, well, you've got, to be, you've got to be on a city council. Help yourself, man. Good, my goodness, I wouldn't want to be, but help yourself. I'm not, he's not talking about that. But I believe in our practical application of scriptures this morning, the Lord is looking for a man willing to be a ruling man. How about this? Let's start with a man. How about a man just willing to rule his home? Through you, amen. The rest you're like, eh. Looking at the wife, what do you think, honey? We should have a family meeting, maybe vote on this thing. Bible says in Genesis chapter 3, verse 16, I'd like to cover a little bit of Scripture this morning, so the best probably you could do is follow, just listen along, write down some references, or go ahead and fall asleep. But Genesis chapter 3, verse 16, the Bible says, Under the woman he said, I'll greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. God's looking for a man who is willing to rule his home. First Titus chapter first uh, Timothy uh, chapter 3 verse 5 the Bible says for if a man know not how to rule his own house talking about a preacher how shall he rule the house of God? Man if you're here today and you're a man you call yourself a man you married a woman you ought to be willing to rule your home. Even in the book of Esther, even the heathens said that, uh, remember when Vashti, she wouldn't uh, obey the king, and regardless of what you think of it, is even those heathen Persians, you know what they said? Every man ought to bear rule in his own home, Esther chapter 1, verse 22. That's a heathen man. Even a heathen man has enough sense that there ought to be some order in his home. God is looking for a man who's willing to rule his home. You say, well, I don't like how he rules, and, 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 and i tell you what, uh, it's important how you rule, isn't it? Amen. Don't go out to lunch on me yet there. You'll get there in a minute. I'm going to help you if, if you'll let me here. I haven't been ruling for too long, only about 25 years, and, and I've had my bumps in the road just like anybody else, but I still believe the Bible. I still believe the Bible has the answer, not Dr. Joyce Brothers. Amen? I believe the Bible has the answer, not Dr. Phil. And I believe a man ought to rule his home. But let me tell you about that rule. If he's willing to rule, then that rule ought to be a loving rule. Amen. Ephesians 5.25 and Colossians 3.19. Paul knew you guys would forget it. He said, husbands, love your wives. It ought to be a loving rule. Amen. Man, I thought I'd get some amens from the women there. You say you're fishing. I got to fish every now and then. It ought to be a loving rule. 1 Corinthians chapter 7 verse 3 tells me that it ought to be a benevolent rule. You say, what is benevolent? That's a 50-cent word. I didn't go to college to learn that word, but that word benevolent, that means the husband is to render to the wife due benevolence. What is that? Kindness. What does that mean? It means she's got it coming to her, guys. It means you're going to have to be, have a loving rule. You're going to have to a benevolent rule. That is, she is owed your kindness, not your bitterness, not your opinion of her mother-in-law, but her mother not your opinion, not your condescending opinion of her family. 
She is owed your kindness. That's a, a loving rule, a benevolent rule. Not only that, but how about this? How about a selfless rule? You still want to be a man today? The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 5, Defraud you not one the other, except it be with consent for a time, that you give yourselves to fasting and prayer. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 33, the Bible says, But he that is married careth for the things that are of the world, how he may please his wife. You know what a marriage is? A marriage is designed for a man not only to be the head of that home, amen, but a man is supposed to care about the things that he may please his wife. That's why you don't defraud. That's why, men, you don't hold back. That's why, ladies, you don't hold back. You don't defraud one the other. You give each other what they got coming to them, and not like the frying pan, amen? But it's like you love them. They deserve to be loved. Why? God said so. Amen. That's a selfless rule. You know why marriages fail? Well, you know, someone was abusive. That's the exception that proves rule. The reason marriages has failed because men and women want to please themselves. If you focus for the rest of the day just on pleasing your spouse, things might pick up a little bit in your marriage. You might stop sleeping on the couch. I'm not sure. I'm not a counselor. I'm a preacher. But it's a loving rule. Are we doing all right this morning? It's a benevolent rule. It's a selfless rule. I'm going to tell you what, I've only been at this thing for 25 years, but it takes work. You might have fell in love and you got married. But I guarantee if you've been married more than two years, you're going to have to work at it the rest of your life. Because every once in a while, you just ain't in love. You in marriage is what you is. And therefore God said it should be a loving rule, a benevolent rule, a selfless rule. How about an honoring rule? Can I get you to turn to 1 Peter chapter 3? I want you to see a couple of verses of Scripture. I'm telling you this morning, through what the children of Israel has doing, are done, they've gone to the precipice of the promised land. God is looking for a few men, and He's choosing them out accordingly. And in 1 Peter chapter 3, notice this, we can expect something good from Brother Peter. He was married, by the way. I know the Roman Catholic Church says he was the first pope, and if he was, which he wasn't, and if he was, which he wasn't, He'd been the first married pope. Because the Lord comes along and heals his mother-in-law. Now, you know, that's why he, Peter was mad at the Lord. Amen. He healed his mother-in-law. You have to think about that one for a while. First Peter chapter 3. Look at verse 7. The Bible says, Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together the grace of life, that your prayers be not hitter. Guys, listen, now you ever just stop and think why your prayers ain't getting past the ceiling sometime? You stop using her like an emotional punching bag, things might work out a little better in a prayer closet. But let me tell you about this rule. It's an honoring rule. An honoring rule. You're supposed to give honor unto her as unto the weaker vessel. Now, I didn't say she was an inferior vessel, did it? Didn't say she was an ignorant vessel says she was a weaker vessel, and it has to do with spiritual things. That means she's more susceptible to spiritual attack. Gentlemen, if you're out with your wife in public, and if you're not, uh, we have a whole new ministry called Beat You with a Baseball Bat, but don't you feel prone to protect your wife? Then why do we often forget that she's more susceptible to spiritual attack? 
I mean, God is looking for a man willing to rule. Just, we're just coming out of the hangar. We're just gathering a little bit of speed. But she's more susceptible to spiritual attack. That's why you're supposed to be careful with her, strengthen her, give her honor, right? It's supposed to be a prayerful rule. You bathe your marriage in prayer, do you? Or you just think, well, till death do us part. And she's thinking death might sound better than parting. <laughs> well, it's a prayerful rule, an honoring rule, a strengthening rule. Look at verse 8, a compassionate rule. Man, are you compassionate towards your wife? I'm just talking because this morning here, the Lord's looking for a man willing to rule. And a man's often, he's wanting to be in charge. And I'm the man. And you're supposed to submit. He's not talking just about that. Look, if you're going to be the ruler, the man who rules, especially if you're going to take a wife, Lord help you, you're going to have some improvement to do. You ever have a job and you have a yearly improvement plan? And they want to know, they want some smart goals, how you're going to get better. And I put on there, just pray. <laughs> pray I get better. And they're like, yeah, that doesn't work here. <laughs> right? 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8, Finally, be all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love as brethren. Be pitiful. Be courteous. How about a courteous rule? You still courteous with her? Walk around the house, just rude as can be, right? You know. Remember when you were dating her? You date her like you used to. Do you romance her like you used to? Oh, preacher, what? I mean, now you got her. Do you love her like you used to? It's a compassionate rule. Do you have compassion on her? Or are you always reminding her of her faults? Her failures. Remember one of those faults that she picked you. <laughs> Amen. Well, it's a compassionate rule, a courteous rule. It's a rule of blessing. Look at verse 9. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. Not rendering evil for evil. Mm. Or railing for railing. You ever had one of them? I call them running guns. You know, like you're all dressed up. Y'all aren't going to admit it. I just, I'll just say what you won't because I'm the preacher, amen? You ever get ready for church and you look good and you smell good and you get in the car and it's like a machine gun fight all the way to church? Some of y'all thank the Lord you live close. <laughs> shut up. You shut up. I know y'all never done that before. That's railing for railing. Oh, how unspiritual. Oh, cut it out. You take yourself way too seriously. Way too serious. Look in the mirror. That'll crack you up, Amen. A courteous rule and a rule of blessing. Brother Peter says, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrarywise blessing. You mean to tell me, preacher, that the next time she goes off me, you're supposed to bless her? In the name of the Lord, yes. Whenever she comes down on you, next time you just agree with her. Well, you're right. Well, she'll think you're a smart aleck because you normally are, amen? Because you're right. You're right. You should think something wrong with your head. I'm saying this morning the Lord is looking for a ruling man. How about this one? Can we get a little bit more closer to home? Not just one who's willing to rule his home, but how about a man who's willing to rule his own flesh? You know, even the lost world has a little bit better sense than we do. A company called Under Armour for a while, I don't know if they're still their motto, said their motto was rule thyself. Rule thyself. 
has to do with endurance and athletics and the discipline that it takes to become maybe a professional athlete or a, a disciplined athlete or a runner or a basketball player or a football player or something. And I know as Bible believers, we're hard on that crowd, aren't we? I, I am. Wow, they're so proud and they go in there and spike that ball. They make $10 million a year. We expect them to do. Okay, but you realize what it takes to become what they are? All the calories they count? You count them, all right. But they count calories, they count workouts, they count push-ups, they count miles, they count steps, they count everything. And we often mock the discipline that it takes to become something bigger than ourselves. But are you willing to rule your own flesh? God's looking for a few men and a few women today that are willing to rule their own flesh. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20. The Bible says, for you're bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. God's looking for you to see if you're willing to rule your flesh. Can you control your flesh this morning, Christian? Look, we're close to going home. We're close to getting out of here. I mean, the closer we get to heaven, man, we ought to be tightening things down. We ought not to be getting looser and looser as we go. If you have standards and convictions between you and the Lord, you should be tightening those things down and living a more pure and more holy life as the day approaches. Ask yourself, have you even been challenged by the way you live in the last five years? If not, there's a problem. Are you willing to rule your own flesh? Or are you just interested in getting your nose in everyone else's business? And how they should live it. And look what she was wearing. I can't believe she'd wear that. I would never. You couldn't wear it because you couldn't get into it. Now stop picking on her, amen. Are you willing to rule your own flesh this morning? God's looking for a few good men and women to do it. Now the Bible says in Colossians chapter 3 verse 5, the Bible says, mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth. You ever stop and consider how many errands we just run day after day for our own flesh? You get up in the morning, you know what you catch yourself doing? Exactly what your flesh tells you. Exactly what your flesh tells you. You react exactly how your flesh tells you to react. In the morning you get up and it says coffee or Mountain Dew or whatever it is your drug of choice is. Do what you want with it. And you do exactly what your flesh says. And the spiritual man so many times is drowned out by the cry of the flesh. And it says, Bible reading. And you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Am I hearing things? And your flesh is like, oh, no, just ignore him. He's an idiot. And every once in a while, the spiritual man say, we need to pray. And you're like, someone is talking during my Facebook time. And the flesh is like, you just ignore it. I'm saying, can you rule your own flesh this morning? God's looking for some men and women willing to rule their own flesh. You know, God's also looking for a man who's willing to rule the spirit. Back to Proverbs chapter 25, verse 28. The Bible says, a man that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. You realize if you're not willing to rule your spirit, you could be as disciplined as the day is long this morning. You could have all the charity and all the, all the standards of any Bible believer or fundamental Baptist or whatever you call yourself, but yet you are refusing to rule your own spirit. The Bible says you're like a city broken down without walls. So what does that even mean? That means the defenses are down and everything else comes in. If you're not ruling your spirit today, somebody else is. If you're not being ruled and reigned by the Holy Spirit of God, that means an unholy spirit is dictating to you what you do. 
God's looking for a few good men and women today to rule your spirit. Remember James and John, two of the closest people to Jesus Christ are in the Bible, Luke chapter 9, I believe it is. And they go up and some people didn't respond to the disciples like the way they should have been treated. And they said, shall we call down fire from heaven and destroy them like Elijah did? You know what the Lord said? Yeah, let's get them. No, he didn't. He said, ye know not what spirit you're of. You ever catch yourself like that? Someone does something that crosses you maybe, and next thing you know, you're praying to God, kill them. Kill them, Lord. Bunch of devils. <laughs> Instead of going, well, they probably didn't mean it. You ever stop and wonder why you think everyone's out to destroy you? It couldn't be because maybe you're just a little bit too mo focused on you, right? We're doing all right this morning. The Lord is looking for a man to rule his home. He's looking for men and women to rule their flesh. He's looking for a man and a woman to rule their own spirit. 1 Corinthians 6.20, we've already been there. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. You say, how am I going to do that, preacher? That's really hard. Sure is. 2 Corinthians 7.1 tells you how to get it right. Therefore, lay, lay aside all filthiness of the flesh and of the spirit. When you commit fleshly sins, confess the fleshly sins, confess it, forsake it. When you sin in the spiritual sins, you say, what is that? Pride, jealousy, envy, right? Clean it up. When you mess up, get confessed up and go on up and get it prayed up. God's looking for a man to rule his spirit this morning. The Lord's looking not only for a ruling man, can I tell you from the scriptures in verse 2, the Lord's looking for a searching man, a searching man. A man willing to search. Numbers chapter 13, verse 2, the Bible says, Send thou men that they may search the land. God told Moses, you get these men and get them into that land, and you get them looking for some things. Now, God didn't call you to be a Christian just to wander around aimlessly in this world. You ought to be searching for something. You say, what in the world should I as a Christian be searching? Let me tell you what, being so close to going home, and I believe we're getting close to going home. Some of you are closer than me, amen? There you go. But you know what you ought to be willing to search for? You ought to be willing to search for wisdom. God's looking for a man willing to search for wisdom. Proverbs chapter 2, verse 4 says, If thou seekest for her as silver, if thou searchest for her as for hid treasure. What's that? What's her? The verse 2, Proverbs 2, verse 2, that is wisdom. You know where wisdom's at? It's found in the book. Wisdom is found in the book. You're not going to get it on the news. You're not going to get it at the library. You're not going to get it from the Baptist circle of, of, of brethren. <laughs> You're going to get it from the old King James Bible. And that book never needs any revisions. It never needs any updates. It never needs any rebooting. It just needs rereading. That's wisdom. The Lord wants to know this morning, and he's asking the question, are you willing to search for wisdom more than you search on Facebook? You see how I got quiet right there? You see how I got weird and eerie? Because that's who we are. We're in everybody else's business. We've got to know everything that's going on. God's asking the question this morning, are you willing to search for wisdom more than you binge on Netflix? Or whatever your streaming device is. Are you willing to search for wisdom more than you're willing to search from someone's opinion on YouTube? 
We are so reactionary by nature that we have to wait till some brother or some doctor or some feller goes way cockeyed to the right, and then we turn around without looking at the Bible and say, well, I'm not going to be like that, so I'm going to be like this. Did the Bible tell you to be like this? No, but I just know that ain't right, so I'm going to react. You ever stop and think that most of your Christianity, and if I'm wrong, you'll have the grace to understand it, most of your Christianity is not based upon what the Bible says. It's based upon doing something the opposite of how somebody else does it. Well, that's wrong. I ain't going to be like that. So then you react. Why? Because you don't want to be like them. But what did the Bible tell you? He said, search for it. Search for wisdom. Wisdom is found in a book that's to be read, prayed over, applied daily, and studied. Which brings me to my next part. The Lord is looking for a man willing to search the Scriptures. That's John 5.39. John 5.39, which the Bible says, search the Scriptures. For in them you think you have eternal life. It's your job and it's my job and God's looking for a man and a woman who is willing to search the Scriptures. Have you ever considered what a beautiful book you have in your lap? Have you now stopped to consider how little you turn the pages? It is a blessing. Okay, it's a blessing to hear pages turn. I can't hear when your thumb swipes. I like to hear pages turn. Amen? And you ought to be turning the pages. And the more you turn those blessed pages, the more you'll fall in love with the rock of ages. Amen? God's looking for some men and women willing to search the scriptures. You say, why in the world should I search the Scriptures? I'll tell you why. Because when you search the Scriptures, you finally learn how to be quiet. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 4, it's getting better, ain't it? 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 11, you study to be quiet. See, you thought it was just study so you got all the answers. That's what school taught you, right? The more you study that book, the more you realize you talk too much. But, 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 all the time. Bad, bad, bad. Got an answer for everything, don't you? The more I read that book, the more I, I just feel as dumb as a box of rocks. The Bible says that you study to be quiet. That's 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 11. And if you study, it'll teach you how to be quiet. If you study, you know what it'll do? It'll teach you how to answer somebody. That's Proverbs 15, 28. He that study, studieth to answer. And you know what? From time to time, the Lord will let you answer somebody. But you've got to be in fellowship with Jesus Christ so, he knows you, so you know when to open your mouth and when to keep it shut. So you study that book. You're willing to search the Scripture. That's who God's looking for in these days. He, so you can study to answer. So you can study to be quiet. So you can study to show the reason of the hope that lies within you. That's 1 Peter 3.15. And finally, if you study, it'll show you how to be approved by God. Because that's what it's all about. One day when the last line's written and they lay you down, you stand before the Lord, you know what he's going to be? Well, why didn't you study that book more? Well, Lord, I thought this was a pretty good slant on it. He said, I don't care about the slant. That's what my book said. Well, you know, it was a real controversy, and I was trying to, and the Lord's going to be like, I don't care about the controversy. That's the truth, and nothing but the truth. Study my word. God's looking for men and women willing to search the scriptures. Why don't we study the scriptures? It's because it's work. And a lot of Christians don't want to go any farther. Can I remind you this morning, if you're at that place where you haven't grown in a long time, you're at the danger of getting into a rut. 
And you, once you get in a rut, you start to rot. You can't get out. And once you start to rot, if you don't get out, you get the heavy equipment to pull you out, you'll eventually ruin your own Christianity. The Christians brought some, uh, the Lord's brought some of y'all to crossroads because he wants you to start growing again. Well, the Lord, he's looking for a man who's searching for some things, searching for wisdom, searching the scriptures. How about this one? The Lord's looking for a man who's searching for the will of God. Are you interested in the will of God this morning? Amen. I am too. Take your Bible, go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. We've been studying the book of 1 Thessalonians, and if you've been with us on our Wednesday evenings and our Sunday nights, you know where we're going here, but I want to give this. Look, I'm not going to turn, I'm not going to turn the Sunday morning service into a Bible study just because people won't come to the other services, but I think this is worth you getting a hold of. Did you catch that? This is worth you getting a hold of. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 1 through 12. The Lord is looking for some people. He's looking for some men. He's looking for some women who's willing to search for the will of God. All right, you're in 1 Thessalonians. I'm going to read a verse in Ephesians. Just stay with me now. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 17. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. All right, so when it comes to knowing the will of God, you should not be in the dark about it. You're going to find out that the closer you are to Jesus Christ, you'll have perfect, clear leadership and guidance of the Holy Spirit. Where you're not in fellowship with Jesus Christ, things appear dark and things appear murky. You say, well, I don't know what to do. Well, focus on your fellowship. Focus on drawing close to Jesus Christ. But I want to talk to you about the will of God here. The Lord's looking for a man. He's looking for a woman who's searching for the will of God. First of all, the will of God is continually please God and walk with Him more and more. That's in verse 1 and verse 10. Verse 1 and verse 10. You see that? More and more. Verse 1, more and more. Verse 10. You know what that means? You get to a place in your Christian life, you think you've arrived. You haven't arrived yet. You're going to arrive when they put you to bed with a shovel. So until that point where they're putting the stuff on you with a shovel, you keep growing. You keep going. You keep getting better. You keep getting closer to Jesus Christ. You keep reading. You keep praying. You keep going to church. You keep listening to preaching. You keep confessing your sins. You keep growing. That's the will of God, to keep on going and growing and don't stop. Not only is that the will of God, but here let me give you number two. The will of God is to keep those commandments given you by the Apostle Paul. Look at 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 2. You see it right there. A lot of Christians think, well, I'm saved, I'm a free bird, I don't have to do anything. and You know, we're no longer under law, but we're under grace. Good thing, because one preacher said you'd be underground if you weren't. But now that you're under grace, you're being held to a higher standard. Not my standard. You ain't got to worry about my standard. His standard. You say, why? You got the Holy Spirit of God inside of you. Don't you have the Holy Spirit of God inside of you today? Don't you have Jesus Christ residing inside of you, living inside of you, a perfect, sinless individual inside of a sinner? Mind blown. And let me tell you what, because you're under grace, you are now held to a much higher standard. You should desire to live pure. You should desire to live more holy. You should desire to read more Bible. You should desire to attend more church, not because we're here, but because you want to please the Jew that's living in you. That's the will of God. Will of God number three in verse three, you know what it is? It's for you to stop your sinning. You see that? He says that you abstain from fornication. 
and there's no sex in any two or three verses either way. You know what that has to do with? That's spiritual fornication. That's you putting something else above God. That's all types of sin. The will of God is not only for you to keep growing and keep going and follow the commandments that the Apostle Paul lays out for you and me, but it's for you and I to stop our sinning. Amen. Is that so old-fashioned? Quit your sinning. Some of you did some sinning this week. You ought to take yourself up back and paddle yourself. Amen. Quit your sinning. Abstain from fornication. Man, you ought to be shouting me out of here. Let me tell you what. We live in such a jaded society, in such a terrible place, that you preach on sin, it gets quiet. And you wonder why the country's a wreck. If we won't even say amen, half of us, I know some of y'all did, you get mad at me later. If we won't even say amen to preaching against sin, how do you expect the election to go the way you want it? Because you're dealing with people out in this world that don't care about sin. Getting all hair-lipped now, don't start now, my goodness. Will of God is for you to stop sin in verse 3 and verse 6. The will of God is for you to never defraud your brother. You say, what does that mean? Do right by him. Had brother do work on your stuff? Pay him. Well, he didn't do a good job. Well, you ain't a very good client. Anyway. Pay him. Pay him what he's worth. Stop trying to Jew him down. If he's 100 bucks an hour, pay him 100 bucks an hour. And then give him something to take his wife out for dinner. Don't you be a dirty dog. Just like if you go out here and I'm spiritual, I took my track. and to the right. If you ain't going to tip, don't you leave one of our tracks. Don't you do it. Defraud not your brother. That's the will of God. I'm telling you this morning, God is looking for people who are searching for His will. Now let me give you number three. I got many more to go, but we're going to cut this thing off. The Lord is looking for men and women who are willing to be sent. Look at verse 3, Numbers 13, 3. There are some real practical lessons that we're going to learn here. I'm going to try to turn the corner real sharp when we get up here. We're probably going about 80 miles an hour, and I'll try to do a hairpin turn, and we'll all crash and go right off the cliff. But in Numbers chapter 13, verse 3, I want you to see this. The Lord is looking for men who are willing to be sent. In chapter 13, verse 3, the Bible says, And Moses, keep on going to the end of the verse, sent them from the wilderness of Paran. You say, oh, I don't see it. You know what that means? If a man's willing to be sent... That means a man has to be willing to take some orders. You know what God's looking for right now, today? 21 South Chambers Road, Bible Leaders Baptist Church. He's looking for some men that he can control. Don't you worry about me controlling you. The Lord's looking to control me. And if he can't control me, he can't use me. And if he can't control you, he can't use you either. That's why some of your wives, they, they look at you and, and they struggle. Why? Because you're all about them submitting. You're all about them obeying. You're all about them doing what they should do according to the Bible. But they look at you and nobody can tell you nothing. Nobody can control you. God's looking for men that he can control. That means you've got to be willing to take some orders. God's looking for some men that he can send. Are you willing to take orders this morning? Well, I've been around a few days, you know. Preacher, you need to sit in my office and, I know, take some instruction from you. You know, the moment when I came to be a preacher here, and I'm not trying to be a jerk, 
moment I came to be a preacher, all kinds of people come tell me I'd be a preacher. They've never been called to preach a day in their life. Say, what'd you do? I'll listen to them. Why? I don't want to be a total idiot. Try to learn something. You say, what'd you learn? Learn they're not called to preach. <laughs> so I learned. But are you willing to take some orders? Man has to be willing to take orders. Man has to be willing to follow instructions and follow directions. Isn't it interesting? You see it where you, you worked or used to work. Everyone wants to lead, don't they? Everyone wants to be the boss. In my generation, everybody wants to start where mama and papa all left off. But you don't realize it took mom and dad 30, 40 years of blood, sweat, and tears, and jobs, and no sleep to get the car, to get the house, and you want to start out where they left off. Ain't going to happen that way. You're going to have to start at the bottom. There's only one way to go, and that's up. It's going to take hard work. Everybody wants to be the CEO. Everyone wants to be the boss, don't they? Nobody wants to be the follower. And why some of you will never be a good leader is you're not willing to follow anybody. You know what Paul said? Thank you. You know what Paul said? Be ye followers of me even as I am Christ. The Lord would never ask you to do something he didn't already do himself. And preacher, any preacher that's worth of salt would never ask his people to do anything he's not willing to do already or is already doing it. I'm saying the Lord's looking for some men that he can send. And if they're willing to be, they have to be willing to take orders. They have to be willing to take direction. When I pray, God, bring men here. I say, God, bring young men here that love you, that love your word, that love preaching, that can take direction. Why? I don't need a bunch of, I don't need a bunch of gurus sitting on their Eiffel Tower. I've been there and done that. Well, let me polish your head, Papa. Rub your feet. God's looking for some men he can send, willing to take orders, willing to follow instructions, willing to follow directions. You know, a man has to be willing to go when others want to stay. If you're going to be that man, you have to be willing to go when others stay. You say, what does that mean? Maybe it means you have to be willing to study when everyone else goes to bed. Maybe it means you have to get up a little bit early and learn to pray when everyone's in the bed. And you put more wood on it, man, it's just so cozy. Cozy next to mommy, you know. But it means you didn't get up and pray and get a hold of God. Keep sending the smoke signals up. Why? You've proven to God there's still a fire in the stack. Why? Because you want his power. You want his blessing. You want him to do something in your life. Let me give you number four here. The Lord's looking for some courageous men. Look at verse 20, Numbers chapter 13. Now we're nearing the end here. Children of Israel are right on the precipice of the promised land. You know what happens. They fail miserably, but you can't miss the practical application. The Lord's setting them up, trying to give them a chance, trying to show them, hey, I got this thing. All you got to do is trust me. Live by faith. I got it. I give you number four. The Lord's looking for some men to be courageous. He's looking for some courageous men. The Bible says in verse 20, he says, And be ye of good courage. He said, I'm courageous, preacher. Yeah, I know, I know. You and your ten guns, I get it. 
I got guns too. I can't hit nothing half time, but I got guns too. Amen. My boys take after me. That was funny. But courage means bravery and firmness in the face of danger. The problem with Bible believers is that they think they got to go around rough and tough about everything. You ain't got to be tough unless the situation calls to be tough. I mean, you're going to walk in the nursing home like a gorilla? <clears throat> I'm here to talk about Jesus. Get out of here, you freak. You don't have to be tough all the time. Is it too manly just to be soft, kind, gentle? God forbid we're gentle men, right? Again, God's looking for some men he can control. He's looking for some courageous men, brave in the face of danger. Let me tell you what, you live for God, that's enough danger you'll ever face. <laughs> you live for God and to try to have a godly marriage, man, that'd be the bloodiest thing you ever face. He's looking for some courageous men. You say courageous about what? Well, Joshua chapter 23, courageous about studying that book, courageous to obey the book. Psalm chapter 27, I throw them stuff out here, but we ain't got time to turn. Psalm 27, 14, it says, uh, uh, wait on the Lord, be of good. You know, it takes courage and bravery to wait on the Lord. You know why? Because we so badly want to orchestrate the will of God for our life. We so badly want to form it with our own hands so somewhere down the road we can take credit for it. It takes courage, it takes bravery, it takes boldness, it takes firmness just to stop and wait and let God do something with you. It takes courage to obey that book, courage to wait on the Lord. And of course in Acts chapter 28, it's talking about Paul there. It takes courage to help your brother out. Acts chapter 28, verse 15, you don't have to turn there. Paul is nearing the end of his ministry, the end of his life. And he does, he's not encouraged until he sees the brethren he hadn't seen in so long. Let me tell you, it's going to take courage to help your brother out. It's going to take boldness. Why? Because a lot of our brethren are going through some things that you will never understand. Until you walked in their shoes. And I'm telling you right now, you don't want to walk in their shoes. And if you've been through some things that have ripped your heart out and tore it in shreds, you don't want them to walk in your shoes either. There's only so much you can take, right? It's how you feel. And after you go through it, you're like, I don't want anyone to have to go through that. It's going to take some courage to help the brethren out. We're coming to a close here. Can I say this? Number five, the Lord is looking for some men without an agenda. Look at verse 26, Numbers chapter 13. We're getting down to the part where we're going to need a little bit of medicine, a little bit of touch of His grace to get us through it here. In verse 26, I want you to see that when those men came back, they had an agenda. Verse 26, the Bible says, And they went and came to Moses and Aaron and to what? All the congregation of the children of Israel. I wonder why they did that. If you look over at the top of the chapter, the Lord told Moses to send them. Moses told them individually, and they came back. They had an agenda. So they all get everybody around like a big old political rally. Here's, here's their opportunity to be heard. Here's their 10 minutes of fame. Now you're going to listen to what I just went through and what I experienced. You're going to hear what I have to say. And you know what the Lord is looking for? 
He's looking for men and women without an agenda. If they'd done it right, they would have talked to that old preacher alone and said, Moses, yeah, I mean, you see these grapes, man, big as Volkswagens, right? Ain't that cool? I mean, we can make some, some wine. I mean, new wine, right? Uh, we can make a lot of wine out of this stuff that's not, okay, whatever. It was funny to me. But Moses, I don't know how we're going to do this. And I bet you that old preacher says, well, I bet you never thought how the Lord is going to part the Red Sea, did you? I bet you never thought how the Lord is going to take the bitter waters of Mara and turn them into fresh waters again. And if they would have went to him one-on-one, I bet you one by one, that old preacher would have been like, I know, I know it looks tough, but the Lord's going to get us through. But see, the Lord's looking for men and women without an agenda this morning. And they went to Moses and to Aaron and to the entire congregation and began to spew all of their report. This agenda, it wanted to be noticed heard and found out in verse 26 you notice that this agenda focused on fear rather than faith in verse 28 if you look at verse 33 they end the entire chapter with and there we saw the giants and some of you here this morning very well may have giants that have been kicking your tail and keeping you from drawing closer to Jesus Christ and you just can't seem to kick it maybe you got an agenda this morning Maybe it focuses on fear rather than faith. I'm surmising. Well, that agenda, it focused on fear rather than faith. And I want you to see in verse 32, it facilitated an evil report. It says they brought up an evil report. When you have an agenda, Christian, it never ends well. I want you to see momentarily as we begin to close here and my wife begins to make her way to the organ, I want you to see that Ten of these individuals, they couldn't see the grapes for the giants. And only two of them couldn't see them giants because them grapes were so big. And the blessing of God in their lives was so precious. And God, they were seeing what God had done the whole way. And they were seeing how God had constantly delivered them. And can you believe the size of these grapes? And can you believe this brook that we have to cross? It is so clear. It is so fresh. And man, the whole, the whole land is flowing with milk and honey. But ten couldn't see the blessing of God. And two of them couldn't see the adversity. As we close here, I hope you can see that God is looking for a few good men. And out of these 12 men that were chosen to do something for God, only two of them went on to do anything for God. Ten of the men brought back an evil report, as you know, and the Lord kills them in the next chapter. How about that for a fairly well? And you have to choose today, Christian, am I going to give my life to Jesus Christ or am I going to live my life for myself? You say, well, I don't know about all that stuff. You know, God's still looking for a few good men. That's a pretty little speech, preacher. You know, hurry up so we can go to uh, the the restaurant here. Uh, well, Well, let me ask you this. You know what history says about this? Let's let history judge it. Can we just let history judge what we're looking at this morning? History flushed those ten. Without looking at your Bible, name me three of those men of the ten. 
You can't do it. Nobody names their kids Paltai. Nobody names their kids Seether. And nobody names their kids Nabi. But you sure know some Joshua and Caleb, don't you? I'm telling you, history has a way of flushing those that choose to live for themselves. Not only does history flush it, but you know who else flushes that crowd? History flushes it and heaven flushes it. You say, why? Well, one day you're going to stand before the Lord at the judgment, not, uh, not, uh, the great white throne judgment. You say, why that? Well, that's the place all the unsaved did. If you choose to live your life for yourself, stay with me now. You'll stand before God at the great white throne judgment, having never received Jesus Christ as your Savior, having lived your life for yourself. Don't need it. Don't need religion. Don't need that church. Don't need that loudmouth preacher. And you know what heaven will do? It'll flush you. History will flush you. And heaven will flush you. And there's only one place that will fashionably welcome you. And that's hell and the lake of fire. Hell and the lake of fire is the only place that will fashionably welcome those who do nothing for Jesus Christ. Let me ask you this morning. History will flush you, and then when your name is not found written in the book, Lamb's Book of Life, heaven will flush you. You see that? History will flush you, heaven will flush you, and then hell will fashionably welcome you. Why not give your life to Christ today? You say, why? He's just looking for a few good men. He's just looking for a few good men willing to give their life to do his will. I ask you this question. She begins to, pray, to play. Why not come sign up? Why not come up here and say, all right, all right, Lord, I got saved a long time ago, but I'm in. Count me in. You can come sign up this morning. Say, it's too embarrassing. Really? I tell you what, when the Lord began to deal with my heart to do something for him, I'd witness to a cop with his gun drawn. I didn't care. You willing to sign up with him this morning? Lord's looking for a few good men. We're close to going home, aren't we? You believe we're closer than we ever have been before? And come sign up. Say, Lord, I'll do whatever you want. Here's my life. You take it. Take my life. Let it be. It's all yours. Take my dreams. And Lord, if you need to, you can flush my dreams. Because I want to do whatever it is you want me to do. And if you want me to search some things out, I'll search them out. If you want me to rule some things, I'll rule some things. If you want me to search for the will of God, I'll make sure I'm always in it. The Lord's looking for a few good men and a few good women. Why not just come talk to the Lord today? Come put yourself on this altar this morning. Go ahead and sign up. Give yourself to Jesus Christ.